0: Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. Adversity is so personal. What might be considered adversity to you might be considered small potatoes for somebody else. That's the balance of adversity. Is it really bad or are you just making something out of nothing? That's the question that determines whether you're really being faced with adversity or not. My guest today has faced real financial adversity. He was a tremendously successful NFL lineman who, because of one bad financial decision, lost most of his wealth that he had accumulated over his career. He's built it back, though. He's just like any competitor would do, any survivor, any hero would do. He's come back from the ashes. And he's on the You Need More Money podcast today to talk about it. Marcus Ogden. Welcome. How you doing, Matt? Man, I'm doing great. And I'm, I'm grateful for you to be with us today because it takes such huge guts, man, to tell the story the way you've told it. In my research for today's podcast, I've watched a number of your videos and a number of your speeches, and you are unbelievably transparent about this hero's journey that you took.
1: Well, you know, Matt, if you're not transparent, if you're not honest with people and letting them know the struggles, trials, tribulations, they're never going to view you as authentic. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to, if you're trying to be a speaker, someone people take seriously, you have to be authentic, real, you have to be passionate about helping others be successful.
0: Well, I'm grateful for it. I'm appreciative of it. I try to take that same approach, which is just dug on, tell the truth as you see it, right? <laughs> uh, but it hurts, man. And and so many people aren't doing that. I mean, everybody's well, hiding behind the Lambos and, and and all the other stuff, you know? Oh, well, everybody wants to
1: appear that they're doing okay. And in reality, they're not doing okay because they're not willing to stand up and say, hey, I need help. Hey, I made a mistake. Hey, I have to take accountability. Yeah. And this is why I feel that they struggle tremendously with growth into their next phase of life.
0: Agreed. Let's go back though, because you were raised by a single father, you and your brother. Did you have any other siblings, or was it just yeah. you and your brother? Just me and my brother. So something was going on. I'm telling you, man, I just just know life, Marcus. There's something in the water at your house because both you and your brother made it to the NFL. And Uh the odds of that happening are so small. So what was going on at the dinner table? Your old man must have been somebody special.
1: Well, we were spending about $200 a week in the food bill back (laughs) in the 80s. (laughs) So we were doing some heavy eating, some heavy, you know, whatever we wanted. It's because there was three guys in the house. There were three guys. There was no women in the house. So there was no one kind of giving that personal touch. Uh my grandma, my maternal grandmother was in the picture, but you know, my her and my grandfather lived about maybe 20 minutes away. There was just three guys. So anything we wanted to eat, anything we wanted to do, it was just the guys. <laughs> so, Is your dad a big guy too? Uh six uh, at his biggest six four, about four twenty. Four twenty. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: So he was more on the heavy side where you and your brother were more on the, on the muscular side.
1: Correct. Wow. Yep. No joke. When he, when he passed away, he was probably about down to about 280. He had gotten himself in shape. Mm. He's had, he had a sustained, a uh, heavy, uh, obesity all his life and his kidney failure caught up with him in, uh, 2006. Incredible. So where was your mother? Where was well, her? Mom decided to, she had to find herself is the way she put it. Mm. And, You know, to this day, it's just being honest. You know, I don't have a great relationship. I respect her. I think she's a great person. But, you know, you leave two boys, you know, in a way that you do because you have to find yourself. That's going to be really your thing you have to live with and don't expect everybody to again you're always going to love and respect your parents but you don't have to always like what they've done in their in their, in their lives
0: so does that mean that your mother left your father or do you feel Correct. your mother left both of you all no, three of you? My,
1: my mother left us all she left my father and she left both boys uh when we were i was eight and joffa was 14 so she left both of us and my father at the same time
0: amazing wow Wow, think of all the think of all and I know you do, but the amount of time and
1: lifetime pleasure that she
0: missed, you know?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you've got two boys that literally were great in sports, great students, great people, that you missed out on a lot of extra time with, you know, you know, football games or traveling or whatever we were doing, you know, you kind of missed out. And our dad, who's been gone for eleven years now, to almost twelve years now, we still talk about him to this day, and very rarely we talk about her. Be yeah. honest.
0: Yeah. Now, was he was he like always at the practices or was he working? Always, How old he was? Always.
1: He never pushed sports on us, Matt, but he always wanted us to be our best. So he always came out to different events and always was at school at practice at the games. And like when I was I went to Howard University in college. So he pretty much made almost every game since I was starting as a redshirt freshman until I graduated as a senior came to my NFL games, never missing my brother's NFL games. Mm. He was always there. That's so cool. Now, what happened when
0: your brother... So your brother was 14 and you were eight, right? So what is that? Mm-hmm. Six years. So uh-huh. when your brother left to go to college, what did that do for you? Was there a giant void in your life? Were you sure. missing your hero? Absolutely.
1: I mean, huge void because that's pretty much everything. I was raised with him for what I can remember and all I known. And you know, I looked up to him for sports. So when he was gone... I didn't have the advice that I was looking for uh, and I didn't have the guidance because my dad was always working to try to support, support us. Yeah. So it was a huge void that left when he went to UCLA, especially with the UCLA, all on the other side of the country. I only saw him pretty much like, except for Christmas or the holidays, I only probably saw him like twice in four years when I would go watch like a bowl. I remember I went to watch um, UCLA play Wisconsin in the bowl game. You know, that was one of the few times that I saw him between, you know, uh, his four years of college. So that – that I mean, you then had to probably tighten your
0: relationship with your dad at that point, right? I would assume those oh, yeah. are fond memories for the two oh, of you.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He was driving you to practices. I mean, it was just the two of you in the car, right? That's right. Driving to practices, picking me up, talking yeah. about this, homework, you know, spending time together, you know, wherever he was doing bowling or, or playing golf with friends and family, I was always with him all the time.
0: Yeah, man. Those are great memories, I'm sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Because it, that's that's – that's what a legacy is to me, is pe- how people remember you when you're, when you're gone is a legacy. That's what I think of a legacy when I hear that word.
0: Dude, I, my, my primary core value in life is to be a better father to my boys than my father was to me, right? Yep. It guides everything for me. And um, it's, you know, it, it, it's the guiding principle of what do they say when I'm gone? What do they think about? What are the conversations that I have? I texted all three of them, my three boys. I texted them this morning. I said, um, when I come home, I'm going to tell you guys a story. You just, you pick the topic, right?
1: Yeah. And we'll nice. just, we'll just
0: lay down on the carpet and then I'll just, I'll just go with it. And man, they just eat it up. How old are I? 16, 13 and 12. And we, Perfect. we still do those. Sort of things. I want, I want, I want that dreaming, that visualization process to start in their heads, in their minds. That that reality, although their reality is pretty damn good, but reality is uh, reality is created uh, in our
1: minds first. That's great. No, I mean that's that's how my father and I were, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. is that stability, that relationship, that connectivity. That's why we were so close for all all my life. Mm. So so let's talk about then what
0: happens. You you end up going you have a great career at Howard, you you go to the pros. Mm-hmm. You have how many years in the pros did you play? Six. Six. Six years in the pro in the pros and everyone might think well god that was amazing for him but it wasn't because you had multiple teams there were highs and lows there was chicken sure. and feathers there there was there was getting to know people and then getting ripped apart right and getting pulled oh, and going yeah. to someplace else so how did you deal with that i mean talk to nobody really talks about that side of the bigs which sure. is that you know it's I mean, not it's, all
1: up it's it's, a, it's it's a job and it's like you leave a team. You have great friends, great linemen. You go to another team. Get used to a new set of guys, new set of parameters, new set of coaching staff, new philosophies. It could be stretch right a lot, stretch left. It could be downhill right, downhill left. Play action. It could be shotgun. Having to adjust and adapt your body to the, the to the necessary, you know, beast of whatever offense that you're in. Uh, new city, always having to find a new place, having to move, having to take your belongings, stuff, and get stuff in the car and pack it up, and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 just a lot, mm-hmm. and trying to get used to a new playbook and get used to a new set of guys on the defensive line for practice. So you can actually impress the coaches that make the team and get, get playing time, and then stay in the game and getting the game and making sure you do well. I mean, it's a consistent, constant battle. Yeah. That A lot of people don't talk about because a lot of people don't understand, you know, you only see Sundays, but there's a lot of guys who don't make it to Sunday or guys that are continuously packing up, moving, packing up, moving, trying to make it on a Sunday. So for me, I was lucky wherever I got, I stayed there for the full year, maybe two. Then I would move on sometimes, you know, depending upon, like I had a great career going to Baltimore, lovely career. But then my office line coach resigns because he wanted the officer coordinator job. Uh, they didn't give it to him. Our new line coach came in, didn't like my brother. Couldn't cut him, so they cut me. Hmm. Go to Buffalo, two years, great career. Playing, loving it, great guys. Everything's fantastic. My coach is Mike Malarkey. Well, the Bills have been struggling for a few years, so what happens? Of course, uh, Ralph Wilson fires uh, Tom Donahoe, the general manager. In comes Marv Levy. In comes a new head coach, and Dick Dick Charon. In comes new assistant coaches having to pack up. I had my contract supposed to be renewed. They ended up not renewing it because they wanted to clean house of everybody. Hmm. That's just kind of the way it goes. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's why I tell people all the time. The NFL is a great, great job, but it's a not-for-long job. You just don't know. I mean, you could have a new coach come in, a new system, a new general manager, a new director of pro personnel. It's so much in there about politics and personality as it is of your ability to play on the football. So you get this. You see this. And you're preparing for this.
0: I mean, you're stacking and racking cash. You're putting the money away. You're not driving Lambos and all that sort of stuff,
1: right? No, I just had, I had a basic, I bought one new car uh, in 2003 and I had it throughout my whole career. <laughs> okay. So, so you're preparing, you're saying
0: to yourself, this isn't going to be like this forever. So I got to, I got to make hay while the sun shines financially. Right. And then in two thousand, what year did you start the construction business? Two thousand nine. Two
1: thousand it was end of two thousand eight became two thousand
0: nine. So we're already out of the recession at this time. So that, does that mean that you're starting to buy low with the anticipation of selling high or not?
1: Oh, we were still in a recession in Baltimore because 08, it was still heavy. A lot of companies were going under. So I started right at the cusp of the recession still being there. It wasn't as bad as it was in 07. But it was still there. So, but I was a commercial contractor, and I was Minority certified to be able to get endorsements and be able to get projects easier because of having a Minority status. And so, what kind of work were you? Was the company
0: set up to do? It was set up earthwork. to do renovations.
1: No earthwork. We were oh, an earthwork, earthwork. contractors, citing great. Like what you sell, dude? I, I love them. that. Yeah. Three fifty sevens, bulldozers, minis, excavators. So you're uh,
0: scraping.
1: You're framing. Oh, yeah. Are you doing the concrete work too? You're doing the whole oh, thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I demo, demo concrete, rip and replace, steel bars, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. You, know, you, you name it. We did it all. Grading, you know, 57 stone, you know, the CR6. Did it all.
0: Okay. So jobs are coming to you because of the certification. How are you yeah. learning this business?
1: Who's your right-hand man? Who's teaching you this? I had a business partner uh, who was 41 years my elder, who I trusted and unfortunately I was not with the right person because by the time I got finding out what it was he was a commercial. I mean he was a, a residential contractor we were a commercial contract so it wasn't the same okay so but
0: really you have some licks things are going well though right and in the, right. in the early I- stages of the company things are going well and you're saying to yourself I played my hand really well I right. got my money from the NFL I'm I'm now deploying the capital into this business that's starting to do well. Baltimore's going to be on the rise. By the way, I believe Baltimore has to be on the rise. It's one of those cities. It's Baltimore's like a Providence, Rhode Island. It's right in between Boston and New York City. It's something's got to happen in Baltimore. You know? Yeah. It's like between New York and DC. It's like between New York and DC. Like something's got to pop there, and it already has. I go there a lot because my kid, my oldest son, plays lacrosse, so I'm in Baltimore oh, good. Like three, good, or good, four good times stuff. a year. Yeah. So um, so things are going well. Then all of a sudden, you make a decision. That becomes the downfall.
1: What was the decision? I worked for a company, Turner Construction. One of, they were the, they're the third largest general contractor in the country, and for city development out of Baltimore. They're actually based out of uh, up, uh, up in the uh, up in the uh, oh the uh, New England area, but that's where headquarters are. Took a job for $4 million. Uh, was going well. I got my first million dollar check doing all the demo, hauling it, hauling away, bringing in stone, grading, setting up everything, taking out the dirt. We were rolling trucks in like water, it was killing it. And then we hit a snag where the site wouldn't dry. Uh, I had a dewatering contractor out of Texas who I hired who dried the site, but the site would not dry. Water kept rising. The contractor and the developer and the concrete contractor put extreme pressure on me to get the work done. I did it without a signed change order because I took the word of my client. I was young, impressionable, and not very smart. I ended up taking uh, their handshake deal. When I got finished, it spent a few million dollars in 90 days. I ended up completing my scope of work, but not getting paid back by my contractor. And I went bankrupt in 2013. Amazing. So
0: it was the cash flow crunch of yep. not having the signed change order. Yep. and them and them not honoring without this change order, their stance was, well, too bad. Correct. Unbelievable. See, they said, they said, you know, you're going to have to absorb that cost. See, here's and I the,
1: not prepare for that.
0: Who is? Here's the primary thing that the audience needs to really get a handle of, especially if you're in business. And as my business has scaled, the only thing I've learned is my business has grown larger over the years is how much nastier the waters are. Uh-huh. <laughs> But it, listen, small
1: business is easy business compared to big business, man. Oh, big business is different. It's di- It's 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 a different animal. It's a different I, I was, animal. I was, I was I was up to eight figure business, and by the time I was doing fifteen million dollars plus, it became a nasty business and became very cutthroat. Yep. It became, people weren't looking up because, like, if I had a chamber for two grand, they could find two thousand. They weren't going to find two million, three million bucks to pay me back, even That's though exactly. they could absorb it. They weren't going to have that show up on their uh, on their accounts on their accounts payable without a signed change order. If they do their company audits, you know, at the end of the year, no way.
0: So we all want to say, well, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's business is about relationships and all that sort of stuff. And yes, it is. But on the numbers you're talking about, nobody's just going to let. Those are the numbers that they're willing to break a relationship over, right? Right. And they did. And they and did. And they did.
1: And I, and I was the, and I ended up, uh, uh, I ended up taking it on the chin. Exactly what happened. And I lost everything. Mm, Man, that's powerful, man. So
0: that's really powerful. So, so, so you say to yourself, what now, now I I apologize for not knowing the details of your marriage you were married at the time. Are
1: you still married to the same woman? So we got together six months prior on match.com
0: and she ended up staying
1: with me after I filed for bankruptcy, and we're married today.
0: (laughs) Okay, great. So that means all your time in the bigs, you were not married? Nope. Gotcha, gotcha. I was not. Wow, so your wife was right there as this thing turned on its head. Yep. She was there for the good, bad, and the ugly. She saw it all. That's what I say about my wife. We've been married 19 years. I say, you know, people say, you got a prenup. I'm like, there was nothing enough. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. There <laughs> well, nothing for you, there. there was in the beginning. Yeah, but well, for me,
1: when I, when I got, no, when we got together, really at the time when we got married, there was nothing there. It was like everything was gone. It was like, you know, I had nothing left.
0: So you got to just allow me the privilege of going there with you because I've seen darkness so many times, man. I mean, I've, I've looked into the abyss so many times in my 23 years in business. What were you saying to yourself then? I mean, how, how were you, how
1: were you dealing with this loss, this financial loss? I was saying, why me? Why did God select me for this? Why does the world hate me? I, I pay my taxes. I run a good business. I employ people that are ex-offenders. I get back to the community. I play in the NFL for years. I I moved back to Baltimore where I have huge fans, huge support that love me. I love the city, love the town. I was trying to make a difference. Why did this have to happen to me? Why did everything happen to me? I, it was the poor me syndrome mm. combined with a, a lot of cheap beer and a lot of uh, sleepless nights. And that's why my best selling book is actually called Sleepless Nights.
0: Yeah. I saw that about your book, Sleepless Nights, and I, I just immediately resonated with me, right? I have had so many sleepless nights where my sure. wife is asleep beside of me, the boys are asleep in their rooms all snug in a bug, and I'm the only one up just in a just a sheer ah,
1: cold sweat
0: panic.
1: Yep. Been there.
0: Right. Been there.
1: Bouncing off the walls, can't can't you know figuring out what's where are you are gonna uh, get next month's rent from? Yep. Where's the food bill coming from? Where how's the light gonna get paid? I've been there.
0: So what did you do to get out of it? Did somebody slap you around, or did you just begin to
1: mo- make that transition yourself? No, I made the transition. I left. Uh, as a matter of fact, the NFL just sent me a note um, on something. It's funny how they sent me a note. There's an event coming up that I told them that I could not go to. But I guess for some reason, they feel like I need to be there. So I need to call, I need to call the NFL after this conversation, actually. <laughs> on my way. But I ended up getting help from the NFL, and I ended up moving from uh, Baltimore to Carolina. And I ended up taking a job with Merrill Lynch, was getting on my feet, got fired, the next week, that month, I got fired on Friday. On Monday, I had a job with a construction company, doing well. I was kind of working in their in their uh, in their sales division of their of their uh, retail store. Got hired Monday, fired Friday. So I was fired. <laughs> so I was fired twice in a week. <laughs> So that was fun. Oh my so then, gosh! But, but both
0: times, you must have been saying, "Well, listen, at least we're going to get some money coming back in, right?" At least we also. Get- and then I got
1: fired. So <laughs> why and, did you get fired? What did you do? To get well, Barrel Lynch, I wasn't going to pass a series seven. Okay. So they fired me, and then the construction company they ended up shutting down the door uh, of the of the of the uh, of the parks division. Oh man! So they, they shut that door, so they fired me. Then I ended up coaching football, and then the point where I changed my life is I was a janitor making $8.25 an hour in the graveyard shift in downtown Raleigh. And I decided, I ended up, I called the spoiled milk syndrome, where someone's spoiled milk got on my bare skin, and I was taking out the trash at like 3 a.m., cleaning out my building. That's my, that's normal. And I ended up putting my head in my hands and said, if I don't make a change right now, I'm going to spend the rest of my life hating other people, blaming society, and mm. saying, what the F? So that's when I decided to become a speaker and start to tell my story to the masses. So,
0: so was that some of your father's and your upbringing coming in your ear at that time? Was, was <laughs> some, was some of that coming back to you of his, yes. of, t- tell me it, what was, what was the, what was the, I'm, I'm struggling with the word that I'm looking for, but what was, what was flowing through your mind and your body? I, it, was,
1: it, was, it was the principles of leadership that came into my mind And also I remember what Bill Belichick said when I was 15 years old, when he was fired from the Browns and he was hired by the Ravens and assistant. He said, if you want to be a great leader, you have to, first of all, practice your craft daily. You have to, number two, you have to always be accountable to your teammates and team members. And most importantly, you have to create a clear vision of what you're trying to achieve. Mm. Once I started creating my vision of what I was trying to achieve started to progress me in, in a much better manner
0: yeah man that is something else that is just something else that is really a powerful uh testament to no matter how bad it gets um you can improve i mean i i i you know there were many times where i would say it can't get any worse and the only thing that would happen marcus is it would get worse. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, so that takes you on the speaking, uh, tour, but before you can make that success happen that you've had now, which is tremendous success as an author and a speaker, you had to come to grips with the fact that you had to tell this story and the story does have some embarrassment to it. It has failure to it. How did you come to grips with the fact that I've got to be fully honest in order to get credibility?
1: When I realized early in my career as a speaker that I was speaking on a lot of different things, but not being vulnerable and not being honest to the point of expressing my full failures to people, the speaking business was kind of slow to almost non-existent. Mm. The minute I started opening up and telling people about my life, and telling them about my struggles, and telling them about my sleepless nights, and really giving them the gritty, but not too much, but a real clear picture, then things started to progress in a very very positive manner. Mm -hmm. And I'm now getting booked uh, pretty consistently. And I actually have a leadership academy where businesses like yours come in and sponsor, and they have access to Great businesses and big businesses and small businesses, and you know, I'm now traveling, you know, internationally doing speaking. And I was just up in Boston last week with Mel Robbins at her. Love Mel Robbins, yeah. Uh, I was up at her camp. Um, She's got something going on called the Power Nine, and it's gonna be nine of the most influential people she feels in the world and their space. And she chose me to be one of her Power Nine, dude. That's awesome. So she interviewed me and for her program
0: with Audible that's awesome dude i'm a huge fan of mel robbins and uh and mel is very well connected so to be picked in that top nine is very 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 oh, well she's
1: powerful oh yeah. and uh so her speaking bureau is picking me up she's introduced me to her big manager yeah. uh i mean a lot of brands now are starting to sponsor our event because of the all the uh you know uh, we have tons of uh you know athletes and the NFL comes out and all kinds of all kinds of great stuff. When is the next event? I'd be interested
0: in learning more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. It's uh, Matt. It's May 17th and 18th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send you over through email uh, your our our, um, our sponsor deck and our in our academy. We'll connect back on in a week or two. But if you're looking for great exposure, I mean, again, you're in the fleet business we have a ton of people who are in you know contracting businesses That because it's a leadership academy we help you with how to become a better speaker better leadership qualities how to network better how to brand better how to get more people to look at your different podcasts and youtube and the nfl supports us the nba supports us uh you know uh, all kind of retired athletes and Big business like the Home Depot, New York Life, they all they all um, support us. And for people like yourself with a business that's growing, have a chance to sponsor and market your stuff to that audience that can afford your products and services. It's a great opportunity for you to get some exposure and learn some great things uh, about how to really you know become a better you, and it's kind of how to tell your story better and how to brand yourself in a better way. And where can people learn about
0: that, Marcus, if they want to take advantage of it as well? It's uh,
1: it's www.ogdenleadership.com is the website. Great. And the book is called Sleepless Nights. Where can they get the book? You can get it on Amazon.com. Yep. Uh, you can just go to the – just hit the title and hit, uh, type in Sleepless Nights. And my cup, my picture's on the cover of the book. Yeah.
0: Marcus, I want to thank you for your time today and telling the story, man. I really appreciated going there with you. It gives me a tremendous inspiration to know that, you know, no matter what peaks and valleys, what chicken and feather, it's, it's all up to the individual, man. And oh, it mindset.
1: is. And I'll just say this, like, you know, I'm just thinking about the NFL, like, you know, If I can make it work, I'm going to talk to my wife first. If I can make it work to be there to support them, then I will because they were so instrumental in supporting me when I needed the help. So I will always give back to them if I can. But it's always about, you know, having, you know, people are only going to help you if you can create value. The NFL would not have helped me if they saw I was someone who was just willing to take a handout and not help myself. You mm-hmm. would be interested potentially, Matt, coming to our academy if I hadn't worked hard for two years to have all these people partake in it, and you be you're not the first person with the fence. We have like 25 sponsors, nobody in your field, but you you would you're not the first person with the fence. So. What I tell people all the time is if you're looking for help from people, that's one thing. But before you go look for help, you better be willing to work your ass, push, get your, get your, uh, roll your, el- your sleeves up, get your elbows straight, get your hands straight, and show me that you wanna work. If you wanna work, people will help. If you're looking just for a handout, don't expect anybody to put a, uh, to to give you free a free lunch. There,
0: there ain't no free lunch. Come on, man. That's all. That's only in the movies. There, in real life, there ain't no free lunch, man. Absolutely not. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. We shouldn't be looking for it because the free lunch doesn't help you get better. It just no, does. It doesn't
1: help you. T- it teaches you no. Somebody asked me a question. I'm surprised you didn't ask me. So I'll just dress it real fast so we can close. When we close. People say, Marcus, how come you didn't go to your brother when you went bankrupt? And I say the same thing all the time. <clears throat> What do I learn getting bailed out by him about accountability, responsibility, and fortitude if he bails me out of something and I don't learn the lesson? Dude, let me
0: tell you why I didn't ask you that question. It never dawned on me one time to ask that question. Great job. I, it never even occurred to me because I have never had anyone to go to for the handout. So mm. it never even occurred to nice. me that that was an option for you. And if you didn't
1: bring that up just now, it never would have occurred
0: to me that I would have even thought about that.
1: It wasn't an option for me either because that's just not how I was raised. You make a mistake, you own it, you're accountable, you fix it, you get back on your feet. Don't just might to bail you out. When people bail you out, something like that, especially of that magnitude, you don't learn anything.
0: Dude, that's a a revelation for both of us, I think, man. You say people, so everybody always says, dude, it never even occurred to me That that was a question that I would ask you. It never even dawned on me, man. My whole life is about there is no help from somebody else, right? Right? Now, by the way, it's a plus and a negative too, man, because there have probably been a lot of times where I could have gotten help from
1: somebody if I was just willing to ask for it, but I never asked for it. I I I completely agree. I respect that, and I think it's great, and we're on the same boat. And like I said, uh. I'm going to email you real quick, Matt, uh, the information. I'm also going to email you, pass me your cell number so we can connect in a, in a week or two and take a look at the Academy see if it makes sense for you. But like I said, you know, Steve and Hank have been there. They love it. Uh, a couple other guys. Oh, uh, uh, Luke Nestler. I talked to him yesterday. I'm doing his show. Luke's going to come out So because it's, it's in Vegas. It's, yeah. it's a great opportunity to help meet great people who can help people take their brands to the next level.
0: Sounds great, my friend. I enjoy you being on the show today. I appreciate your story, and I'll see you down the road.
1: Sounds good, my friend. Talk to you soon. Bye. That's our episode this week
0: with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central
1: as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.